episode of Conversation with a Chef. I'm Joe Ritchie and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. I begin today by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional custodians of the lands and airwaves of Nam where this conversation takes place. Land which was never ceded, Land where communities came together to eat seasonally, locally and without exhausting resources. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and rising. Today I'm talking to Diego Cardenas at Pincho Disco. Pincho Disco is a fun new Latin American restaurant in Collingwood, helmed by Colombian chef Diego. I was lucky enough to be invited to the opening a couple of weeks ago and it was wild. Guests stepped up to the dress code wearing a splash of colour and from the moment we entered Pincho we were greeted by hostesses wearing sequined and feathered samba costumes and conga playing musicians playing infectious tunes as they wound around the two-level venue. You know you're in for a good time with cocktails called things like chili cha-cha, paloma manchada and golden monkey. And then there's the food. With a jospa, a wood fire oven and a ceviche section there is all kinds of smoky and delicious grilled food being put up. If you opt for the chef's table menu, you can sit up at the pass looking into the kitchen and see it all unfolding before your eyes, as well as eating a selection of delicious food that doesn't appear on the menu. Diego is all about flavours and colour, and he wants to transport people through his food. He always knew he wanted to be a chef and learned a lot from his mother, as well as both sets of grandparents who lived in different regions of Colombia. After our chat, Diego brought out an array of incredible seafood for me to try and sat with me as I ate it all. It was just before the restaurant opened and I loved the buzz in the kitchen and behind the bar as the staff put the final touches on prep before the diners arrived. Diego said many things that stayed with me, but I particularly loved his comment that it's better to have good people working for you than good chefs because you spend so much time together and it's better to feel like family. This was a lovely chat. And I've, if I were you, I'd be getting along to Pincho Disco as fast as you can. Hi, I'm Jo. I'm here to have a chat to Diego. Hello, Diego. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and here he is. <laughs> thank you. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How's your day been? Good. I was just trying something with squid ink, so something like a crisp. Okay, oh. And it was really black. Oh. So, oh my. Oh, you did? Black and I was like, no, I this interview, what I'm going to do. <laughs> So we're just trying to wash my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> wow, the price you pay for <laughs> being inventive. I have an interview in five minutes, no way. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You want some water? No, I'm all right. That's fine. Right, no? Yeah. Oh, yeah That's wine, coffee. No, it's fine. Thank fine. you. Thank you. Um, thanks for your time because obviously you're really busy experimenting with squid ink and, um, and other things. But <laughs> that um, opening was wild. It was wild. It was wild. <laughs> It was so it's good. Super yeah, has it? You have fun that, that oh, night? It was so good, yeah. I mean, that was just, it was fun from the moment we walked in with the music and everyone was dressed up and it was so great. No, yeah, the food was delicious. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah. And then I was nice sitting down the end, sort of near, near the end and having a chat to the chef. So you saw so house everything. I did, yeah. <laughs> it was quite busy, huh? It was really busy. It was yeah. really busy. How many people were there? I think almost 300. Yeah. Almost 300. Lot. That's yeah. a lot. And so ever since then, it's just been on? It's been, every day's been busy. Yeah. Like tonight we have almost 80 to 90 bookings. 
and they were gonna get a lot of walkings. Yeah. So it's been hectic. Last then, Saturday we did two hundred something. Wow. Like yeah. Okay. Yeah, because um, the weather's not really. <laughs> it's it's not, not helping. It's not really Latin American type weather. Yeah, exactly. But, but maybe that's what you're creating, like a little escape for them exactly. to come that's in. That's idea. Yeah. Um, so now tell me, pincho. That's a skewer. Is that right? Yeah, that's a skewer. Yeah. So that's a skewer. That means skewer. Yeah. Uh, but in Peru they call it anticucho. Okay. That's why we have that on the menu. So we have pinchos and anticuchos, okay. which is exactly the same. Okay. okay. But if you are in Colombia, Venezuela, I don't know, Ecuador, those countries, they call it pincho. Yeah. But if you are in Peru, you have to call it skewer. Yeah. Because pincho means totally something totally different in Peru. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and is it usually made with a particular kind of meat? Is it just any meat? It's any meat. Yeah. yeah it's a skewer. Obviously, what we do over here, we put like a Peruvian marinade, which is a jipanka, some cumin, some oregano, vinegar. Yeah. So we use the marinade to do all our skewers. Mm. And then we have veggie option, some prawns, some meat, and then we're having octopus tonight. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. And is that cooked over the coals? Yep. Yeah. It's cooked over the coals. Yeah. yeah. Delicious. And so, apart from the skewers, I mean, I ate a lot of pretty amazing food uh, last week, but um, what... What else is on the menu, or what's the approach you'd like people to come when they come to Pincho Disco? What would you like people to do? Just, just come to try a little bit of our food, you know, like we, we have plates all the way from Mexico, and we have things from Argentina, and we have mm. things in between those countries. Yeah. So we have a couple of things from Colombia, a couple of things from Venezuela, some Brazilian stuff. So it's a little bit of everything. So when you come here, you get to try everything, you know? Yeah, you maybe. try a little bit of our culture. So you will see a lot of color, colorful, yeah. like citrusy, sweet, spiciness, all of that. So yeah. you get to try everything. Yeah, okay. So there's um, ceviche, do I see? Ceviche plays an important part in our menu. Yeah. So we have one part of the menu which is called ceviches eh, crudos and aguachiles. Mm. Obviously ceviche is from Peru, a little bit of Colombia as well. And then we have aguachiles, which is the Peruvian word for the, the Mexican word for ceviches. Mm -hmm. And then we have crudos, which basically is raw fish. Mm. Yeah. So if, uh, we have, I think, nine on the menu. Yeah, wow. Okay. So you get to try I don't know, different kind of seafood with different sauces. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, I definitely have to come back, don't I? There's, there's a lot going on. <laughs> um, it's a really big kitchen. It's a big kitchen. We have like... Right now, for tonight, we have 13 people in the kitchen. Is that, that feels like a luxury in this day and age, is exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, but that allows us to do a lot of things that we want to do. Yeah. So we have been very careful with all the preps and the quality of the meat and how do we clean and slice the fish. Mm. So we have plenty of stuff and plenty of time to do it. Yes. So that's important that, I don't know, the, so Jake first, which is the culinary director, He's been always focusing on quality of food, so I think that's what we're trying to do over here. Mm, mm. That's, that's been really important. Yeah. So we have the right staff to do good quality food. And you've been a head chef before, have, have you? Is this... Before here? <coughs> before Pincho Disco? Mm. Yeah, I was at the Saxon, which is a hotel in Richmond. Yeah. And then before that, I was in Copycat in Nursery Week. Okay. Which is like a wine bar, gastro, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And 
And what's it like running a team? Or, or, I mean, did you open those places or those places already in existence when you... When we opened Copycat, oh, it was, Copycat. Yeah, yeah. I was part of the team who opened Copycat. Yeah. Obviously, we have the executive chef over there as well and then a head chef. And then, but I was part of that. Yeah. So basically, I knew how it was. And during my career, what I have done, I have been in many restaurants and I have been opening in a few of them. So I basically knew what to do over here. And then it's been fun. It's been fun, you know, like, yeah. obviously, it's easier when you go to a restaurant that everything is done, everything is, all the systems are in place and everything. But when you come to a new restaurant, no one knows anything. Yeah. So even the guys in the kitchen, they have been asking me, hey, where should I put the bottle? So I'm just, what do you think you should go? <laughs> I think you should go here. Perfect. Yes. You think it is? Let's do it, you know? Yeah. And what's your style of leadership? You know, if you're, when you're doing menu creation, and I imagine that you worked with Jake on the menu. Yeah. Um, and then to feed that through to your team, is that about, do you, how do you get them all on board and invested in, in the menu? When I came on board this project, it was maybe two months ago. Oh. So we're just not no long time ago. No, it's yeah? not. So when I came here, Jake told me like, so, okay, this is the project. This is the kind of food that we want to do over here. Um, and obviously they have been doing tasting for the last six months or whatever. So when I came here, they told me, oh, okay, they have these dishes that we want to have on the menu. But obviously we need some help with all the flavor profile and all of that. So um, we just sat down and then we said like, okay, let's start working on this. And then we track the owner and we check my boss. Then we start working on that. And then they say like, okay, let's do it. Mm. It seems like, you know what you're doing. We love all the favor, those colors. That's what we're looking for. Mm. And then from that, I started building a team. So I started calling friends that I have oh, worked with. Nice. And then I started calling people that I know everywhere. And then basically we built a team from the scratch. Mm. So. Most of the staff that are in the kitchen right now, they have worked with me previously. Mm. So they know the kind of change that I am. So they know they play an important time in the business. So everyone is welcome to give an opinion on how do you think you can, we can make it better. Yeah. Because at the end, a successful chef is not successful by itself. Mm. It's successful because of the team they have. Yeah. So that's the idea. They have open conversation with myself and also with Jake. We're more, more than open to do whatever they want to do. Yeah. There is no egos in this kitchen, which is really important. Yeah, that is really important. That's great. And so how often will the menu change? Um, we're going to change it. Next change is going to be almost in February. Okay. So we're going to come with a new seasonal stuff. Sure. So that's the idea. Mm. We're going to bring new ceviches, new flavors. Yeah. And also with the meat. So different kind of cuts, which is really important. Yeah. yeah. And so, what are your thoughts on, because you're covering a few different countries and obviously, um, you know, from your Colombian background, you have a lot of experience in the kind of food from that, that side of the world. Yeah. What are your thoughts on authenticity in when you're producing a food that comes from another culture? Do you, I mean, do you, is the food here adapted to um, Melbourne taste? 100%, 100%. We can get more of the ingredients over here, yep. but they're not exactly 100% the same. Let's say the Amarillo chili paste, which is a Peruvian chili. Mm. We get the paste over here, but we don't get them fresh. Mm. So there is a very difference in the taste. So we have adapted all of that. And also, 
the food we here at Pincho Disco is not as spicy as it should be. Okay. Because, I mean, we're in Melbourne, so yeah. we should do it that way. Yeah. But we have tried to do a menu where everyone feels comfortable enough. So if someone is from Latin America and they come here, they will say like, oh, I just, I have seen those, these tastes somewhere else, you know, I miss those flavors. Okay. So that's what we have been trying to shift. So when they come over here, it's like Latin Americans, we're trying to remind the flavor that they miss from home, nice. so they don't feel so far, that far away. Yes. And then to whoever is not from Latin America, they come here and then, what is this that I'm trying right now? You know, yeah. like, so much fun. It's spicy, but not too spicy. It's, it has uh, acidity, but it's not too acidic. So that's, that's what we have trying to do over here. Obviously, it's for, I don't know, Melbourne people, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it makes sense that, that food is going to, and even the same dish can taste different in different parts of the world, as you say, with different ingredients and, um, and different ways of doing things. And, and, I, and I like to think that that doesn't detract from the authenticity of the dish because dishes come about because of different products being available, even in the, their country of origin. That the, probably the way, the way some of those dishes were invented or were created <laughs> came because that's what they had on hand and that's what, you know, that's what they were doing. And I think that um, I quite like that evolution of food as well. 100%. And we don't have the time here that my grandma used to have. She used to spend hours in the kitchen doing oh, something course. for my grandpa. So yeah. we're just trying to do those recipes, but I don't know, in a faster, I don't I know, easier mean, way. Yeah. Yeah. But they used to have way more time to do it. You know, like yeah. they used to have perhaps for many days. So yeah. that's that's the difference. And probably, probably, um, what do I want to say? Like, I feel like, it, as you say, back in the day, people had ways of doing things, and they'd take time, and they'd know that on Thursday they'd start getting ready for you know yeah. Sunday or whatever it was. I quite like that. It's nice, isn't it? But you probably have similar systems in your commercial no, we, kitchen. <laughs> we have it. So we we have been trying just to apply new techniques to those flavors yeah. to replicate all of that. But obviously, that's 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 going to be a difference, you know. Yeah. 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 And where did it all start for you? Did you always know you wanted to be a chef? I think I always knew it. I think mm. I always knew it. And then when I was like during my childhood, um, I grew up in a hard worker family, middle class in Colombia. Uh, my dad used to work for a petrol company and my mom used to be a teacher. Mm. So she used to be a good cook, a lot of patience with me and my brother. And I think I learned a lot of things from her. But then she became sick all over the years, so her health wasn't the best. So then I used to spend a lot of time with my grandparents. So when I was on holiday, I either go with my grandparents from the side of my father or my mother's side. So I used to spend time with them. But, but over there, all you used to do is cooking yeah so my grandparents from my father's side they are from the center of Colombia so I used to make I don't know tamales which is kind of food like wrapped in banana leaves and then or arepas but then on my mother's side they're from the coast so I used to do fish seafood all the different kind of food mm. that's how I just fell in love with the food you know cooking with them and spending time with them that's yeah. all I used to do and then when I grew up, I knew I want to be a chef, but I don't know, 20 years ago, chef wasn't like a main thing in Colombia. Mm. There was a thing that a few people 
did, but it wasn't a big thing in Colombia. It wasn't professional at all. At all. Mm. So when I told my parents that I want to be a chef, they just told me, I think you should do something different, you know, like you should be an engineer or a lawyer or a doctor, but something different, you know, not, not just a cook. And I was like, no, I want to be a cook. And they said like, no, you shouldn't. So I started studying studying um, mechanical engineer because I, I was really good in mathematics. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Wow. And then suddenly I got sick. So I got cancer when I was 17, oh, wow. and that was a big game changer for the whole family. Yeah. So really I had the surgery and everything, and then, I don't know, my parents just say like, you know, life is just one. So just, you have to do whatever you want to do. If you want to be a chef, be a chef. You just need to be happy. Yeah. So that was a big changer for everyone. You That's, know? Right. That's how we understood that if I wanted to be a chef, then I should. And then that's what I did. Yeah. Just started studying culinary back in Colombia. And, and then when I finished all that, I told my parents that I wanted to move to, uh, to Peru. So I moved to Peru and I spent a few time over there studying Peruvian cuisine and then working in Peruvian restaurants. And then after a few years were there, then I said like, okay, I think it's time to move. And then I moved to Spain oh. once again doing obviously always i loved seafood yes. so i was always following all of that so peruvian food mediterranean food in spain so i went to uh, seville and i studied over there like a degree in mediterranean cuisine mm. and then part of the course they gave you the option to choose where you want to do your apprenticeship so i chose one in madrid which was a lot of seafood, a lot of paellas, a lot of fresh meats. And then I chose another one, we was Casa Marcial, we was a two Michelin star restaurant. Wow. Yeah. So what, what, what had the restaurants been like that you'd worked in, in Colombia, then Peru, and then what was the, what, was it a shock to be suddenly in a Michelin star, two Michelin star restaurant? Was it quite different or did it just feel like the natural next step? It just felt natural, you yeah. know, like, and I knew when I, I, that I wanted to be part of them, so I worked hard for, to yeah. do that. Yeah. So I didn't feel like, oh, what I'm doing over here, I know, like, I deserve to be here. So my parents have worked hard enough to be, for me to be here, so I just, I just need to do it. Yeah. And I just did it. I, it just didn't feel weird at all. And how long was the stage, or how long was the apprenticeship? Uh, it was the one in Madrid was roughly eight months, and the other one another eight months, roughly. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, is it the same over there? As I hear stories from other parts of the world, where you start, you know, picking herbs or you know, yeah, exactly. shucking oysters. Shucking oysters, <laughs> or like like peeling bro, beans. Yeah. To, yeah, that's what I used to do. In, I remember my first job in Casa Marcial was like peeling bro. Um, Robins yeah. in a cold room because you need to be in a cold room to do that over there, back there. Oh. So it was cold freezing, oh, peeling robins, no. 12 hour a day. No. And then I wake up again at 3 4 in the morning to go to the forest to get, like, to get some mushrooms for the menu at lunch. It was crazy. It was wow. crazy. So even though, I mean, because I imagine by the 12 hour in a cold room peeling broad beans, you know. 
you could be forgiven for thinking, have I made the right decision? But did you ever have, did you ever doubt your decision to become a chef? No, because I knew one day I'm going to be part of the team that was at the front. Yeah, yeah. So I knew it. Yeah. So I know yeah. that was something that I, had, you, that I had to do. Yes. So I did it. And then it was rewarded. Yeah. You know, one day I was part of the team at the front and then I was cooking for customers. So I felt that the, that was the right way to do it. Yes. You need to start from the bottom and then that's, that's me. And I guess um, being really intimately uh, connected to the food that's being cooked and being really aware of all the different parts coming together, I think that's what's really amazing to me that as chefs you, you do spend time on those different sections of the kitchen and that way you really understand how it how you've got to work together and how it all does come together. I really love that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite section? I think larger. Mm. I think larger section. That's not common for chefs. <laughs> but I just love to work with fresh food, yeah. fresh fish, fresh bits, everything fresh, you know, like fresh vegetables. Yeah. I just love that. And I really love that mise en place idea as well. I love that everything's just um, that great preparation, and then it's, then you're just ready to go. It's like everything has to be in place. Yeah, we have to be ready yeah. because customers are not going to wait. No. So we need to be ready before they come. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you deal with those um, with the stressful situations of so many orders being up and having to, you know, and it's hot and you've got lots of people you're in charge of. How do you deal with that? I think I don't feel stressed anymore. Mm. I have done it enough. Mm. I mean, obviously, I, sometimes I feel anxious about what's coming, but then I have a team, a team that's supporting me, mm. and they're expecting the best of me. Yeah. So I cannot transmit those, t- those things to them. So what I try to do is like be, being as calm as possible. Yeah. So that way, they are calm as well. So I cannot lose my mind. And that's who I am. Uh, over the years, Hopefully, I can feel that I'm getting more tired, you know, yeah. like, I don't feel my body the same way that I used to feel it when I was 20, 25. But I have worked on development, development, um, I don't know, time management skills, um, leadership skills, all those things that are also important as a chef. Yeah. So, I don't know, this, I just try to do my best every day, come here, show them the best face that I have, and then that's what we do over here. Yeah. We're just trying to build a team of good people, not a team of good chefs, because anyone can cook good. You know, my mom used to cook really well. My grandma used to cook really well, but none of them used to be a chef. Yeah. And I think, and uh, nowadays it's really important to be a good person, because yeah. most of this stuff, we spend 50, 40, 60 hours a week. So. We're family. Yeah. So it's more important to have good people rather than good chefs. That's my point of view. <laughs> I like that. And what brought you to Melbourne? Oh, that's a long story. Oh. But I just came following someone. Yeah. yeah, I just came. I used to be in love with someone, so I just came following her. Yeah. Yeah. It was what's the right decision. Yeah. I mean, we broke up during COVID because it wasn't hard for everyone. Um, and then unfortunately, I don't know, she took the decision to go back to Colombia. And then I decided to stay. Even if we love each other, we knew that you gotta do what you gotta do. And then yeah. she took her decision and then I stayed over here. And what do you, 
What do you like about Melbourne? Not the weather at the I, moment. <laughs> but I think the freedom that you can be whoever you want to be. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing in Melbourne. You can be whatever you want to be. Yeah. And you're never told to decide what you want to be in life. You know, like, I'm lucky enough to do whatever I have always loved, but not many people have that yeah. opportunity. But I think in Melbourne, it's a place for everyone. You can be whatever you want to be. Yeah, I feel that as well. I mean, I came over from New Zealand um, in 2011, and it just felt like suddenly, all, I mean, it's, it's a lot bigger over here than in New Zealand, but I felt like a lot of doors suddenly opened and there were all these possibilities. It was really exciting. For so, things that you never imagined. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And suddenly you are doing interviews, you have your podcast, you have everything, and then I'm good. sure you never were expecting this. I did not. Exactly. <laughs> and how lucky am I? That, but that's how Melbourne is for everyone. Yeah. You know, you're right. That's great. That's a good observation. I like that. And so with, with all your experience in mind and, um, and opening new places and this exciting new place, what would your advice be to a young person starting out as a chef? It's, it's a hard job. But it's going to be rewarded. So don't lose your patience. Work hard enough. Have a mentor, which is important in life, and also in a kitchen. But then, I don't know, just follow your guts. Work hard enough. And then it's going to, you're going to be rewarded. 100%. If you work hard enough, you're going to be rewarded. That's my best advice. Work hard. You're going to be rewarded soon. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Conversation with a Chef with Diego Cardenas at Pincho Disco. If you liked what you heard, you can check out all the goodness on Instagram at Pincho Disco. That's all one word, P-I-N-C-H-O-D-I-S-C-O. And if you'd like to hear more stories from other chefs, I'm on Instagram at Conversation with a Chef. You can read the chat and become a subscriber at www.conversationwithchef.com. I'd love it if you told a friend about my chats. And of course, you can follow me on Apple and Spotify podcasts. I'm also on Audible and Amazon. (laughs) Once again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Bon appétit.